Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome back to the Legend Rouge Cycling Podcast presented by Zwift for the UAE Team Emirates preview. One of the best teams in the world the last two years, the best team in the world in 2021. In 2022, they also won a lot, but not as successful a season, one would think, as 2021. Pagaccia was still the driving force behind the team, 48 race wins of which they had a monument in there, Lombardia, uh, Strada Bianca is important to this team as sort of semi-Italian team. 18 World Tour wins, wins in all three Grand Tours, thanks to Kovi on Fadaya, and three TDF <laughs> stage wins in a second for Pagaccia. So it's a really good season. Um, the wins were spread out in World Tour level between one, two, three, four, five six seven different riders so it wasn't just all pog that might even be more than yumbo visma uh winning uh their diversity of winners um but yeah how would you rate the season of uae benji because okay they didn't win the tour but it's still a damn good year yeah certainly a damn good year now i think there are several several parts to the season of uae because they start off with the spring classics, and we see that Pogaccio and Strade, like you mentioned. But by the time we reached Sanremo, then we've already had Tireno Adriatico, where your boy Pogaccio once again won two stage and the GC UAE Tour has passed two stage wins and GC at UAE Tour. And there was this like veil of invincibility around Pogacar by the time we reached Milano Sanremo, because I swear that people were talking about him attacking on the Cipressa, dropping everyone, and not being caught anymore. And that's something that I had zero belief in, and I thought that it would be very difficult to still win that race for him, just like for many others, because there's kind of a lottery aspect to that race, I would say. Now, I would argue that Milano Sanremo wasn't necessarily the race that said, okay, Pogacar's not invincible. Yeah, sure, it said that to a few people that thought he would attack on the Cipressa, but we started moving further in the season, and we see other races happen. Now, the second chapter of this team is that they have races, races that are stage races where Pogacar can't ride. And those races, those races are done in some kind of free-for-all fashion, no? Because we saw Almeida, Ayuso, all being leaders at Catalonia, for example. I think Catalonia was really the moment where we realized, like, okay, every leader here is riding for themselves. Even arguably Soler in that race was going for his own at a certain point. And it really, um, mo the moment on Boitol, for example, stage four in Catalonia, Almeida wins that stage, then stage six, we have Almeida at the start of the stage, missing that move with Plap, Carapaz, and Higita, where they opened up the race on the first climb. And there we see some kind of hierarchy growing in that team where Soler becomes a domestique, but Ayuso and Almeida aren't. And at the end of the stage, Ayuso attacks the group with Almeida in a descent, for example. So at this stage, at the end, we were like, What's happening here? Why are they not working for each other as GC leaders? Is there like 
an inside war between these riders. But as the season grew further and further, I think we both realized that is this team's goal to be the best team in the world in terms of the UCI ranking. And I think a lot of people don't see it that way. They don't see the best team in the world as the best team in the UCI rankings. They see the best team in the world, the team that wins the best races throughout the season. And that's one aspect to UAE as well. Now, I've glanced over a few things, like, for example, Pogacar top-fiving the Ronde van Vlaanderen, for example, missing out on the decisive movement towards Dorf Vlaanderen. Like, he was really strong there, and he was definitely the leader in those races. But in all but the Grand Tour races, do you feel like they kind of shoot in their own foot by doing that free-for-all strategy? Oh, I think the wealth is actually the big one, where... You get a lot of points for third and fifth or sixth, whatever it was with Almeida, are you so podium, but they missed out on wins. Ayuso should have won stage 20. He won that yeah. fun sprint easily after, I think, pulling back Aronsman for Almeida's GC. He should have won that stage easily um, if they'd gone all in for him, catching the break of Carapaz because that break was finessing so much. So they... I mean, as an Ayuso believer, it suits me because it's not as obvious when he wins something big this year, but he should already have a couple of World Tour wins on the board. And Catalonia was the same. Yeah, On the stage, O'Connor won on La Molina. If they just pulled that back, he clapped everyone in that sprint. He beat Aguirre easily. In the Barcelona stage, was there also another situation where they both started attacking the group or something in the end? Yeah, it's a mess. They both have a sprint at the end. Obviously, I would argue, like you would argue, that Ayuso's sprint is better at the end. So Almeida should have folded into a domestique role, even though Almeida's close to NGC there. So there's a kind of a, a mess situation there created from the stages before. But I agree, there's a bit of a mess there. And as a consequence of their strategy to get as many riders in the top five of these one-week races and even the Vuelta, we notice that they lose out on stage wins, which I guess, depending on their inner goal and the goal that their sponsor wants, which I guess is the fact that the sponsor wants to see their name at the top of the UCI ranking, then I guess they're doing the right thing. But as a cycling fan, I'd rather see them hunt for stage wins than try and get fifth in GC next to already having a third in GC, for example. So that's just my take on that. And now the on tours. Oh yeah, go ahead. Remember he was with Covey? And Kovi, Ayuso was like, bro, I got 1,300 watts for 10 seconds under the bonnet. Just leave me out. It'll be sweet. And Kovi was like, nope. Um, and then Polans <laughs> came out of nowhere. And Ayuso, like, what, he gapped everyone, I think, coming second. Yeah. No one would lead him out all year. Like, the guy's virtually pog level in reduced groups. Is someone going to lead him out next year? <laughs> I, I would love to see the team realize that and actually use that to its full potential because this guy can win those stages in GC groups that come to the line. He can be the kind of Bilbao character in Basque country. Was it Basque country? Good comparison. Where, that yeah. kind of thing. But um, when it comes to ground tours for a second, we've spoken about Pogacar. We've spoken about Ayuso a lot. Haven't spoken much about Almeida. He was prominent in the Giro, obviously off the back of the GC group every time, but he was prominent. And a lot of memes showing up on the internet that he would always drop and so forth and then hang behind the GC group for like, the entire climb and by the end he might come back or he might not but um he was about to come fourth in the Giro or third if he had a glorious time trial but I'd say we can safely assume that he would have landed probably fourth at the end of the Giro if he didn't have COVID in the last what was it five four days 
of the race, so he had to leave the race. That's a real bummer, I think. But he also wouldn't have gotten a podium, which, honestly, Ayuso is doing in the Vuelta. Ayuso getting third in the Vuelta puts, for me, and I think for many people and for you, 100% Ayuso above Almeida for next season, which I think is an obvious one now. So the order is simple. Pogacar, Ayuso, and Almeida. And Ayuso's crawling towards Pogacar, and we'll see what happens in 2023 there. I would argue, but I think the most important one is the Tour de France, eh? How, uh, how do you think that they lost? What are like the, the multiple reasons? First of all, not being on Zwift enough is number one. Speaking of which, if you want to be on Zwift this week, it's one of the best weeks of the year. Tour de Zwift stages one and two are up and going this week. You can build up your fitness on Tour de Zwift. It finishes on the 12th, so there's a couple of stages probably left for you to do the biggest party yet on Zwift. Eight stages in eight different worlds featuring 24 unique and exciting routes. There's also a sweet Tour de Zwift pedal mafia kit that accompanies it as well. The artwork's brilliant as always. Go and check it out. And if you haven't got Zwift or maybe you need an indoor trainer and you're in North America or the EU, the UK, go to Zwift.com and check out the Zwift Hub, the most affordable Best priced trainer, smart trainer, direct drive on the market. How did Pog lose the tour? Um, because Vingegaard was a better time trialist and a better climber, I guess. Like that is the simple answer at the end of the day. And I think one thing that's been lost, Cold Granon was great and all. Like, yeah, I, you know, yeah. I went from Kyrie Irving to not Kyrie Irving anymore in terms of being a flat earther. <laughs> Um, that was great, but like the other, st- every other mountain stage after that, Paul, uh, Vingegaard was stronger too. Like, could have dropped him on Pagur, could have dropped him on Alptuez, could have dropped, did drop him on Altacam, could have dropped him on Perigude, I think. Um, so, and at least f- for sure, Pog wasn't stronger because he didn't drop him once. So, mm-hmm. like, there wasn't really much Pog could do, uh, to be honest. I think the biggest problem was they lacked some rouleau strength now trenton was out with COVID or something before the race he or she was also under the weather i do i'm still a he or she believer i still believe in he or she i think yep. he can win lbl this year um but they didn't fix that yeah they they brought in yates and vine and co if we go to the incoming transfers but they went after kung and he didn't move and so really okay trenton and Bjerg, it is an upgrade and he or she but there's no super ruler to match Laporte, Van Hoydonk, Van Aert. I agree with that. And another aspect to that is, I would argue that even with Vingegaard being a better climber and a time trellis, there's still ways that UE might have had a better chance of potentially figuring something out to throw it the other way around. Because, for example, the couple stage as well. Let's say that they've got a better breakaway management, that they've got a better rider that can control these satellite riders and breakaways. Let's say that this rider is also a good cobbler, like a certain Anderson, like whatever, Steven, for example. If those are the riders, then they can help Pogacar gain even more time in that cobble stage because he lost time in the last 10 kilometers towards the group of Vingega and the group of Roglic. So if that was not happening, then I argue he would have gained more time there and the gap would have been bigger and maybe Yumbo would have tried crazier strategies to try and do something. I made a mistake that way. I think there's always ways where the tiniest of things, the tiniest of more support on these stages could have 
changed the outcome of the overall race. Now, I agree, Vingegaard was a better climber over Pogacar, so at the end of the day, that's what decided the Tour de France. Let's be honest about it. There's also the aspect of Roglic. I think Pogacar did spend quite a bit of energy chasing down Roglic when it maybe wasn't 100% necessary. And then on Galibier, he pushed forward on Granon and so forth. But I think the, the thing you pointed out, which is that breakaway management, which is that part of the team, is not 100% fixed, I agree. But do you think that, for example, we've seen Kovi in like hilly stages. We've seen him do cobble stuff in the past, but not no. at this level, eh? Can he at some point Don't still break him. forward? Of the, do you not believe it? <laughs> Come on, Kovi Stan over here. Colin, you know what race he's going to. He's going to Giro. And... <laughs> yeah, he is. I know, but like in a few years, I mean. <laughs> Imagine you got on the run into Calais, 40 kilometer hour crosswinds. You got Luke Rowe, Nathan Van Hooydonk and Dylan Van Baal, and then Alessandro Kovi. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Think back. Think back for a second. Four years ago, Mess Peterson, when he was in the mountain train of... Was he in a mountain train of somebody? I don't even yeah, know. Yeah, of Port. He carried Port around his pocket for, you know, the whole race. Sunan Kranders in the mountain train of Dumoulin six years ago. Yeah. These riders were not at the level that they are now or at their peak because Sunan Kranders hasn't been at their peak, had his peak in recent days, even though at Milan Saremo he was great. But can Kohi become that in three, four years? Potentially, but he's not there. So for 2023, they don't have that replacement unless they get it in the transfer. So... Yeah, I agree. Let's get to the transfers quickly. Outgoing, Rui Costa, Gaviria, Richese, Mirza, Troja, Suter, Ardia. Let's be honest about it. They're replaceable. Not missing huh? much. Yeah, not <laughs> missing much, right? Gaviria probably on a healthy seven figures. Matching was like, not very, he wasn't very professional. And Matching's always pretty nice about the riders, except yeah. for Aru, I think, or whoever. They weren't very nice about Aru, I think, but he usually is very nice about the riders. And um yeah Gaviria leaves on sort of meh terms it seems uh yeah they can they're all replaceable Ardila won baby Giro in 2019 and did nothing he goes to Burgos Brunel retired Brunel was weird he was a ruler signed from FDJ and actually quite a lot of talent he's 24 he just like retired during the year and then joined a French club team a couple of months later and started winning Guadeloupe, yes. <laughs> it was just oh, bizarre. Obviously, a lot of talent, but you know, doesn't have it. Doesn't want to do it. Uh, so the they signed Michael Fink from Bolden Equities. That's like a sponsor signing. Uh, so that's fine. That's sort of the Mirza replacement. The weird ones before we get to the big ticket items. Should backs Benji? That seems like you can't tell me this team had short backs in there. In their plans this year, I, I he won Copa Agostoni and they just gave him a contract. That's the only unless to Luxembourg second and a fifth on stages and a fourth on GC was enough to get a twenty-seven-year-old contract at UAE. And listen, like you got a two-year deal, whatever. But I just I don't really understand the signing, to be honest. I think that Shrewd Bucks might be underrated compared to what you say but i also don't think he's necessarily a uae standard rider at the moment yet from what i've seen throughout the year i think he's got an engine i think the the dutch championships was a was a race where he was really prominent where he was like fighting 75 yumbo riders and he got pretty close if i recall but it's very far in my memory um might have been last year even 
But um, yeah, last year, 2021, was fighting 75 Yumbo Riders and eventually lost because I think Yumbo Riders, someone started blocking uh, the, compo- the opponents in the race. That was a pretty shady strategy, but hey, it happened. Anyway, when it comes to uh, should Box, I, st- I, I think he's got an engine. I think he, yeah, I think he's just an addition for the Cobble Squad. I think he's some kind of addition for brake management, but not the Tour de France. Eh? So that's not there yet unless he makes a step up in the pre- spring season that I haven't seen yet from him so far. But I also wouldn't say he's, a, he's like a, a random peasant that they found by the start of the street. I think there's something there, but not a UAE status rider. And Oh, no, and it, we, he'll, he'll be fine. Like in the Italian one days. And yeah, whether I don't make the Tour de France squad. I'm just saying like it seems like he just won that one race and they yeah. like, you're in. Uh, Novak's a climber. He was actually really strong at Bahrain. He would have won on Fadaya from the break, but the team sold him. They made him <laughs> wait as a satellite rider for Lander, who didn't need a satellite rider. Um, so he missed out on that. Big shame for him. So he'll I'll be interested to see how he goes. But he's Slovenian. Um, maybe he fits in the Polance role uh, for Pog in a fair few races. Groschartner... Yep is another one who is like a fringe, you know, not fringe. He has top 10 Grand Tours before, regularly top 10s. I think one week in GC, he does have like a little bit of punch. Uh, he can be in that Italian one-day squad. He did Piemonte, et cetera. But Austrian yeah, this is just why Why are they signing Felix Groschartner? Like how does he move the needle for them? I'm kind of like... I think I, I mentioned it, like, it, it feels like when it comes to domestique work, an Austrian Solaire, like, Solaire has his tendencies Disrespect on the side. Disrespect to Solaire. He's a god, nah, dude. I think Groschartner is Solaire. decent. Okay. Top 10 rider in world. <laughs> okay, now that's ridiculous. I retract that. Don't edit it out, but I retract, I retract that. Top five domestique in the world. I want everybody that's listening to this podcast to cut out the part where Patrick <laughs> says that Soler is a top 10 rider in the world and paste it all over Twitter, please. <laughs> He's actually top five domestique, seriously, in the world. I, um, he was really good this year. Like He got a lot of criticism during Catalonia when he like was domestiquing and then went to the side, went to the car and then disappeared. But during yeah, the Tour but de France, he'd been pulling for seventy kilometers, and Ayuso was refusing <laughs> to do anything. He's like, "What the fuck is this?" <laughs> I would also refuse to be a domestique for Ayuso and Almeida, <laughs> uh, especially when they're like countering each other in the races yeah. that they're riding. But um, I will say, Soler, Micah, they've done better as a domestique than I expected them to do before the season started, hundred percent, and. That's what I think, like, when it comes to Groschartner, maybe there's something there that I haven't noticed when it comes to domestique work. I think in some races, I've seen him be a domestique, but never at the level where I'm like, okay, this can be a domestique for a Pogacar or something. Unless he's an addition for the Hill Classics team, for example, to try and get some stuff there. Because they haven't been the strongest in the Hill Classics team with... Like another big name that's joining, Adam Yates, for example, seems like a rider that fits really well for the one-day races and the one-week races. One-day races being an LBL and a Lombardia once again, which a Groschaner could also ride. Which, another signing, Tim Wellens, also could fit for an Amstel, a Flesh, a Domestique, LBL as a Domestique, for example, Cobble Classics as a Domestique. Like, I'm going over them quickly now, but 
from these three riders, what do you have to say about Tim Wallens and Adam Yates? Well, I was looking into the UAE science because they actually signed, they signed a lot of riders from like 68 kilos, 67 kilos to 70 kilos. And I thought, are they signing versatile sort of benote style guys or in that yeah. frame and stature and versatility across races? Is it for the UCI points? Because they can score a lot of UCI points throughout the year. But then I was also looking to like their performance guys. I think one of them's left, but uh, Jerome Swart and John Wakefield, they were both there uh, at least last year when these signings yep. were made. And they developed this thing called a compound score. Well, partly developed it with Sprague and Leo. I think Sprague's pretty well known. I remember him from Golden Cheetah or something. But anyway, compound score is like a metric to evaluate performance and it's absolute power output times watts per kilo and basically the riders that will score really high on compound score i think will be the riders with like um five minutes really good five minutes who weigh 67 to 72 kilos who also climb pretty well which is riders like tim wells felix groschartner brandon mcnulty Maybe a Finn Fisher Black, I don't know. Um, so, Groschart in the two, probably. So, are they using that metric to sign riders? I don't know. Maybe it's just a performance metric. Um, but that could be into it, or it could just be well, because like Tim Wellens has a heat allergy, right? Can he even yep. do the tour? And he won't take any medication for it. But the thing with Tim Wellens' heat allergy is that I maybe I need to rewatch the races that he's ridden, like. He was great at a rainy Giro in the past, but he's also one of Vuelta stages where I swear it was sunny. <laughs> uh, he won the two. Wasn't it the November Vuelta? I reckon it was the November oh, it was. Vuelta. It was the November. Yeah, it was. That was it. <laughs> it was in, he won one of them in, yeah, literally November. So it's not that hot. Um, that's why. Oh, that explains. That explains a lot. This is only Vuelta too. Exactly. <laughs> so I'm guessing... That makes it difficult for the Tour de France and for the Vuelta. And I'm more looking at him being a, an addition to the Cobble team, being in support of Pogacar in races that Pogacar starts, and in other races being a rider in Eduardsdorf Vlaanderen, for example, that can go for his own, stuff like that. But also when it comes to the Hill Classics, he's also an addition to the team. So I'd also consider that. And maybe they're also just looking for someone to send to Tour de Pologne or something as leader. I don't know. Yeah, no, I think that's right. Like, they still want to. They didn't win. They didn't win a World Tour one week this year outside of Pagacha. So they still want to win World Tour one weeks. And with this team, they really need to be winning them. Yates, ah, uh, they signed. I did a video on on Lantern Rouge YouTube channel. He's actually a really, really good one day race. So we saw that in Canada. We've seen that in Italian classics. Yeah. He's a top, top level one day racer. That also takes pressure off Pagacha. What if Pagacha wants to do Giro of Welter in 2024? And then they need to have a strong team at Lombardia, this team, and the Italian Classics. It's very important for them. So they Yates, uh, along with maybe Wellens or other people, can be a spearhead for those races. So that frees up Pagaccia. I think it's a lot of this is diversification away from Pagaccia. Now, whether these guys are truly top, top, um, those three that we mentioned, I'm not sure. Vine, on the other hand, is the wild card, bought out from... Alperson to Koenig. Uh, the team, by the way, 
won't get enough credit for it because I think they were interested pre-Vuelta. So um, more credit to UAE. They didn't just see the Vuelta stage wins. And then it's nice. obvious, of course. Um, they Vine's probably got more untapped potential than Yates, Wellens, Groschartner, who've been at top teams for a few years. What do you think they'll do with him? Um, would you? What would you do with him? Is he just Tour de France, GC, domestique? Well, when it comes to Jay Vine, we know a few things. We know that two years ago, he already wrote the Vuelta in very fast after he joined from the Zwift Academy to Alpecin. And in that Vuelta, he nearly won a stage after he got hit by the car. Bardet won that stage, if I recall correctly. And I feel like because he didn't win that stage, he kind of moved a step back in people's minds because it took, well, obviously, Bessege, that that climb towards the end of that race in 2022. He was shown there again against Johannesson, but mainstream cycling fans don't watch Etoile de Bessege. That's for the the low lives that we are, Patrick. And then we noticed throughout the season that in Norway, for example, he started moving up with the Remco, lap in that race, was really strong in that race. But it wasn't until the Vuelta where he started winning at World Tour level. Because I swear he did Paris and didn't really have a good race there. And then he showed up to the Vuelta. He had those two stage wins, one from the breakaway, one from the GC group where he tagged a bit earlier than the other GC riders. And that's the moment that he broke out for many people. But he already had such a, a progression over the last two years before that. Because if you can already win a Vuelta stage from the break against the likes of Bardet in 2021, if you don't hit, get hit by your car, then it's not that big of a leap to win again in the breakaway. But the numbers that he was pushing in the 2022 Vuelta were just just bloody strong, let's be honest about it. And as a consequence of that, we know that he, he's a top-level climber. The question now is, can he become a top-level time trialist? He has the power on paper for it, but it's not just about power. It's all about arrow and so forth. Can he, can he get into the right position, stuff like that? Plenty of stuff. Can, can he spend enough time in the wind tunnel to figure that out? I think UAE will probably do that. I think they have the money for that stuff. But... um. How will they test that? Are they going to send them to one-week races first, like a Pyrenees or a Tireno? I think he's doing We'll know Tireno? while this is being edited. He's got the time trial championships in a couple of days or tomorrow. So exactly. partial answer there. <laughs> Tireno is the one he's doing, I think, or Pyrenees. One of the two he's doing, I think it was Tireno. Not sure about it. But we might see something there in that San Benedetto del Tronto time trial, or is it in Camayore this time around at the start? I don't remember which of the two stages it was. But there's a time trial in there that he might show that again. I'm mostly curious about his time trial skill first and his ability in a one-week first because he's on paper going to the Giro d'Italia according to the, the stuff we've heard so far when it comes to UAE. And if he goes to the Giro d'Italia, I would personally expect him to be there as a GC leader alongside the already announced Almeida. Almeida said that in Portuguese press that he's, that he's doing uh, the Giro. So... If Almeida's doing the Giro, we know that he's a rider that can top five the Giro. But against Evenepoel, Roglic, Thomas, it's going to be difficult for Almeida to get on the podium. I would love it because I generally am, I would argue I'm an Almeida fan. And it might have been accidental because I started shouting for Almeida for two Giros now. So I might do it for a third one again. 
But I think it's good to have a second rider next to Almeida, like a Vine, that also is a co-leader in that race. And then we'll see where it goes. But for that Giro, he requires a time trial skill. And I need to see that properly first. Yeah, so that leaves the question of who will go to the Tour. And I think McNulty's schedule, I'm not sure what it is, whether he's doing Giro to go for GC as well, and Yates will slot into the Tour. I think that's what might happen. And then otherwise, the team will largely be the same. Um, the But yeah, the team's gotten a lot stronger in terms of like the points should go up from non-POG sources. The might even be try co-leadership maybe even they don't need to have pog peak for uae tour because they've got adam yates the uae tour master the uae tour <laughs> squad i think is ridiculous it's like the gacha yates can vine. they fill the entire podium i think remco's, remco's going no yeah he is <laughs> remco remco <laughs> yeah doing san juan uae and uh yeah and in the giro but yeah it's they've gone a lot stronger the Key will be, I guess, how do they go about constructing their Tour de France squad and how do they give, like, does Yates, he knows he's a domestique, right, if he goes to the Tour de France, or do they yeah. try co-leadership with Yates to the Tour? Like, what, okay, the Tour will be Bennett, Soler, Micah, he or she, Trenton, Jörg, Pagatcha and let's say Yates. What role is Yates in that? Isn't didn't Micah drop him half the time last year? He did, but when it comes to Yates, we need to keep in mind that Micah also got dropped by Super Domestiques when he was going for his own GC. Now that he's a, dom- a Super Domestique, True. he seems to get further into the class because he might know in his head, okay, I can stop here in a kilometer, for example. I don't need to continue holding a bit of tempo after I drop, for example. Maybe, that, maybe that's something in the mind of those riders where if they know they can completely drop after the effort, they might be able to go all out. While if they need to hold on to the finish, they might drop a bit earlier to make sure they stay on a, a rough gap of the front, for example. That being said, I think there is a role as Domestique for Adam Yates laid out for him, but I want to see it first in the same way that I wasn't sure about Micah and Soler in the past. They've proven that they can be Domestiques. I want to see it from Yates first. He's had wonderful performance in the past. But is he consistent enough? Does he need to be? Because it's a domestique now. That's the question there. But if you're UAE, you go to the Tour de France. If Pogacar is on the start list, he's all-out leader. But in your mind, you got to have some kind of thoughts of like, what if Pogacar has bad luck and crashes out? Then we might have a secondary leader in the first week if we keep Yates up there for a week, for example. But in all honesty... If Pogacar is there, they need to go all out for Pogacar. I think it's as simple as that. Who do you see? Who's going to step up and become... Okay, Ayuso is the easy answer, but who out of Almeida, McNulty, Yates, Vine, Groschartner, uh, is any of them winning a World Tour one week this year? Is any of them winning the Giro which of them will be the best GC rider this year? Because I, I think they want and need one of them to step up as well. Very good question. I think when it comes to Vine, the thing with Almeida, he came from Quick Step, he joined UAE. I don't consider him as having stepped up significantly from that Giro 
at Quickstep, he's moved up to be a bit better, I'd say, but not significantly like a leap of like 10 to 20%, for example. That's not there. When it comes to Vine, there's that potential because he hasn't gone for proper GC in World Tour races or at least achieved it yet. So I think Vine can achieve some kind of GC in a World Tour race, whether that's directly winning it or top five in it. Top five in a World Tour race, stage race, would already be a step forward when it comes to a GC, I'd say. And even better if that is based on the fact that he did a good time trial. So I think Vine can step up. I think McNulty can step up from last year because he was not having the best Paris-Nice. He was not having the best Tour de France. He was not having the best bloody year. Like, Mallorca challenged at the start, perfect. But when it comes to the rest of the year, not the best season. He had that one stage in the Tour de France, but no consistency, really. I think McNulty can make a step forward. He has the time trial to be a secondary time trialist in a time trial, like a, a seventh, eighth in a time trial, a fifth, a fourth, maybe sometimes. So he has that ability. Climbing-wise, on the long climbs, to be honest, if he does his Tour de France, climbing performance of that one day, multiple times in a row in a one-week race, he can compete for a one-week stage race in World Tour. I think that's possible. So he has a space to move forward. I don't believe Groschartner will move forward. I don't think Adam Yates will make significant changes because he's been winning one-week World Tour race, so he can do that again, I would say. So that possibility is there. When it comes to water growth in the entire team, hmm. Who's the young riders they're developing? I mean, that's Ayuso, ah, right? So, Ayuso. <laughs> yeah. I Freire guess. in the, in the, and in the yeah, kiddo Marcos Freire, 16 year old son of Oscar Freire. So, yeah, they've got a lot of chips. I mean, it's unlimited budget, isn't it? Because how a normal sort of uh, conventional sponsor team, you'd be like, you can't. You can't infinitely just keep signing <laughs> signing people like Yates and um, Groshart, and then you'll end up like running out of money eventually and have a big crash. But if they just have infinite money to sign riders that they want, it doesn't doesn't really matter. Um, but yeah, what do you think? I think they're going to be really tough for Jumbo Visma to beat in the um, in the UCI point ranking. They have just have so many extra points coming in. Yates was, I think, a top five, top three, four scorer for Ineos last year. They got, like, McNulty might improve even more. Ayuso will probably score even more. Why can't he do well in World Tour 1D races, like even the mm. Montreal and Quebec races? So Milano and Ackerman, they might split apart <laughs> for, for both <laughs> their sake. It might be a good idea uh, to split them apart. Hodge might come back from yeah. he's had sickness or injury uh, and start scoring as well, some stuff. So I um, I, th I think they'll win the UCI point ranking next year, this year. I uh, I think so as well, but I think it might be close if, for example, Wout ends up winning a monument. If, for example, Wenger ends up winning one-week races now, if he becomes a bit more consistent throughout the season instead of getting second at Tireno and then showing up at the Tour de France. Outside of that, he didn't do like, so many World Tour races, one-week races, and so forth that he was winning them. So I think if Vingegaard can make that step, then it might be a bit closer. Otherwise, it will become difficult. I agree with that. So um, I'm also leaning more towards UAE Team Emirates doing that. Or, for example, I don't know, Quickstep probably can't compete anymore when it comes to the UCI rankings anymore. Victories, no. perhaps, but not in the single... In the, in the actual point system. 
Now, um, one more thing that I want to mention in this podcast, we've seen equipment changes. We don't often speak about this, but I think it's viable to do that on this on this specific podcast because Yumbo changed from Shimano to SRAM. I think they changed to reserve wheels. Yeah, speed play pedals. Speed play pedals. When it comes to UAE, they changed to Shimano and they also have Continental tires New now. tires. New tires, baby. We spoke about it all year. <laughs> yeah, well, Pog spoke about it largely the cameras <laughs> in Slovenia. And uh, once you saw that, you're like, well, guess to get a new tire sponsor. <laughs> like, you know, he, he if he's not happy with them, um, yeah. it probably wasn't just that. Like, uh, I'd be surprised if they weren't running in the Tour de France, if, if particularly on the Roubaix stage. I'd be really surprised if he wasn't running whatever tires they wanted to run. But, yeah, it's a lot of changes, and it's good to see UAE. They're putting, you know, Shimano on a – uh, Italian bike. They've been on Campagnolo before. Now, maybe it's a question of money. Maybe Shimano got more money. I don't think so. I think this is performance driven. This team doesn't need money. So, you know, they don't need a, a little extra that Shimano might offer over Campag. Yeah. Um, like Colnago is their bike sponsor who's owned by the same company, I think, that provides the sponsorship dollars. So, this seems performance driven. Uh, I remember in Liege or Flesh 21. Or this year, oh, last year, can't remember. Pog dropped his chain badly on a descent and was trying to get back on. So maybe there were issues with the shifting. I don't know. Maybe Shimano's lighter. Don't know. Ike Vespic on the recent interview said the performance differences in between group sets is minimal. It's more for Yumbo. Going from the Shimano group set means you leave the Shimano ecosystem. So yeah. you now get a power meter that works. That's always a good start for a pro cycling team. Now they'll have a power meter that works because um, Shimano <laughs> power meters, <laughs> yeah, like unreal. Um, they can choose their own pedals. They can choose their own wheels, everything, whereas I think they have to, yeah, they choose Shimano pedals. So UAE, who else they get? What else they do? Is it just all oh, the tires? I think that's a step forward. Like, let's be honest, yeah. like Continental tires, Probably one of the top of the game. Yeah. Um, who was it before? It was Pirelli, right? Yeah. 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 I remember. Uh, we talked I, about track. I, well, I put With that Pirelli. clip on the on Twitter of Pogaccia saying, fuck these tires. And then there was a Pirelli. This always happens. The Pirelli rep, I think, on his personal account, just in their replies, just correcting people, being like, there's never been a problem. No team's ever complained. And I was like, well see next year <laughs> i think if maybe ua didn't complain but they're on continental tires now so, i mean maybe mads Pedersen changes win every monument um is it also like can it also be that maybe it's bad luck maybe it's not the equipment for example but the riders mentally could be completely random yeah and mentally the riders will be like yeah. are we not comfortable using this equipment anymore Pogacar might be like i'm not okay with this anymore so it it could be that like it's such as you know are they tracking how many drop chains they have and then do they have data on how many drop chains you'd expect like i doubt it it's it could just be yeah. that it's just rider subjective and that's listen that's also important if pagach is going to be more comfortable changing to a different system even if it's not even better 
well, you just do it anyway because that's like you don't do the DSM. Be like, well, actually, we have data that the drop chains is in line with the expected range. So, to that, I mean, sometimes you have to do that as well. Like, not to change groups yeah. at mid-season, but yeah, it's it's interesting to see. And I, I think UA, whilst maybe like they are just buying guys, they just buy guys top of the market every every time who are already established riders, which are very expensive. But they're also trying to improve the team in other ways too, which is, I guess, good to see someone going up against. It's good to have like two or these big teams really battling like UAE, Yumbo Visma, Bora coming in, Quickstep, Ineos. I think it's really good compared to the Team Sky days where you wouldn't say like Movistar weren't battling Team Sky in this way when it was Quintana against Froome or Astana against Sky, um, even though the riders eventually did match up. Anyway, Pog, Pog will go tour. Um, He'll probably win a monument as well. I think he's doing the classics, RVV. Outgoing transfers next year, though, uh, talking about team construction for the future. Trenton, Ackerman, Bennett, Soler, Hirschi, Poulons, Gibbons, Hodge, Langen, Oliveira, Vink, Oliveira out of contract. I think Benji, they need to be looking for a, a super ruler to replace the Oliveira brothers and... Trenton, I think they need to go after like a a classic. Greg squad. van Avermaet. Yeah, well, <laughs> maybe the greatest <laughs> domestique in the history of cycling. Um, Gary and Thomas, combination of both. Thomas never go there. Yeah. <laughs> Thomas hey, is going to get Remco to join Ineos. Well, he's a ruler on paper. He's got the climbing skills. He can do like. A lot as a domestique for Pogacar. <laughs> I'm not even <laughs> joking. Imagine. Never happening. <laughs> Probably never happening. <laughs> like, if we take a look at who's available when it comes to rulers, um, Dennis could join, could switch team again. Actually, that's something they might do. Yeah? Well, like, it would, don't you think that would make... He'd, he'd have a good compound score. Yeah. 70 kilos. I think he'd have a good compound score. Um, he's shown flashes. That's actually a fair. That's someone they might sign. Hasn't done a Grand Tour at Yumbo. Maybe might uh, not be happy to. about that. He oh, did he did. Well, well, to be honest, he was irrelevant there. So, uh, oh, he's okay. I mean, Robert's crashed out. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, true. Heinrich Hausler, Christoph Lador. <laughs> Do, Mate, they, go, do uh, they just poach one and they just steal from Yumbo? Just take Christoph the, the Lador. <laughs> I'm the Hausler fanboy here, and I wouldn't even name Hausler. No, nah, I would say. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I wish they would, like, for a five-year contract, and they can mil. focus on, on Roubaix every single time. Yeah, just a mill. Every single time, Roubaix free-for-all. He, he's yeah. allowed to go for it. I, I would love it. Arashiro from Bahrain. Nah, that's, 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 that's Isn't Christoph Laporte the one? Yeah, but... Yeah, they need but... classics. Their classics team is terrible. They have no yeah. sprinter for a classics. And then they need a ruler. Isn't Laporte the rider they are missing? Yumbo barely need him. Like they do, but like Yumbo have like a stacked classic squad. Like the difference between them and UA is huge. Is is Cavania of these days even in that category of like? Oh, great, great yeah, management? they might go fit. That also. 
I mean, Alexi Bernil might have put them on French rulers, but Castroviejo from Ineos, uh, he's 35. I think they're going to get someone like that. Oh, Betiol. Oh, it's Betiol's who's going, right? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. He's available. <laughs> <laughs> it actually does fit really neatly. Yeah, it would. Like, it's it's the perfect Double signing team? for them. Yeah. Cobble team can do a hard lead out for Pog on like a Lombardia climb, versatile stage race domestic. We're doing the work for them. I mean, I'm pretty sure they know who Alberto Bediol is. Walter Flanders. (laughs) He's Italian. He wrote for Pogaccio in the Cobble Exactly. Yeah. He already submitted his CV. Um, It's like when the kid turns up the fish and chip shot with their CV when they're 16. (laughs) Um, Uh, Quick question. We've talked about the potential transfers in the future, but what the hell is this team going to achieve next year? Because we, we can say, oh, this rider will go there, this rider will go there. I think Pogacar is going to win the Tour de France. Maybe. He'll be, probably be the favorite. I think I think Vingigo will beat him by probably two minutes, maybe two and a half. I'm pretending this is a hot take. <laughs> um, who, which which one of France. us is a hot take? I think both of us were pretending... <laughs> I reckon Vingegaard beating him by two minutes, people won't believe. Yeah. Um, I think Puita Dome, Vingegaard's just going to drop him. Like, But then Vingegaard also could crash. Pogaccio could also like take him by surprise on other stages, of course. There's a lot of difficult, like that um, stage 20 is really, really complicated with long climbs. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I think Tour de France... I don't really see Yates helping that much if he goes. I think Giro, someone out of Vine, Almeida, and McNulty will ascend and maybe really, maybe they won't win, but they'll be with Thomas, Avonapol, Roglic and relevant. And they might come fourth, they might come third, but they'll really be in the group competing. Um, And I think Ayuso wins wins the Vuelta easily. I think I'm... For me, the season is like this. Remco wins the Giro, Pogaccio wins the Tour, and Ayuso wins the Vuelta. I'm probably, at the end of the season, going to look back and I'm going to be like, Benji, what the fuck did you say in, in January on the UAE podcast? Because the season looks very different from what you predicted. But that's how I see it now, because on paper, Remco should be able to get that Giro home as long as nothing crazy happens. Crashes can happen, stuff like that. Maybe a tactical fuck-up can happen. But on paper, he should be the favorite for the Giro, Remco Evenepoel, I'd say. Even with Primoz Roglic there. Tour de France, Pogacar, he'll probably be favored because of the races that he'll win beforehand. And I just, I don't know. I just have this feeling about Pogacar that he's he's always relatively consistent. And next to that, he's got the fact that he's so good at avoiding crashing and so forth. And when he crashes, he's lucky. So... I'm going to stick by that <laughs> throughout 2023. Yuzo is the one that will make another step forward and win the Velt. I agree with that. Now, um, when it comes so that, to... So that'll make them the best team in cycling by far, right? Two Grand yeah. Tours, some other wins too. They RVV Pogacar? Claim that. Um, but I believe. No. Nah. Because like Trenton will have probably taken, you know, lost another 1%. I think RVV Balance? will be... Is he even good at RVV? I don't remember, but I recall him having Tim good bubble racing. <laughs> Wellens is Tijbenot. 
I mean, it's both that's both rude to Tim Wellens, but also <laughs> rude to Benoit. Like <laughs> Tim Wellens has thirty four professional victories. Tash Benoit, I think, has two. Uh, but then on the other hand, Tim Wellens has done twenty seven monuments and. The last podium was Lombardia in 2018. He's never. Wellens bought him Lombardia? No, sorry, the last top 10. The last top 10. Oh, Jesus. He's never top 10 to uh, Liege or uh, Ronde van Landeren. Never even been top 20, I don't think. So oh, he looked close when he attacked in Amstel when it comes to winning that race, eh? He attacked the full Ineos train. When he attacked the full Ineos train, Ben yeah. Turner behind him. That was really effective. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, it's like he is a better winner than Benoit. Is he a better domestique? Not convinced. But as a, yeah, semi-classics rider, he is better at finishing. Smarter rider probably for winning. Um, Here she should do gobbles. Here she, um, yeah. Here she's a god. I think Herard is better in 2019, 2018. I don't remember. In um, Bing Bang Tour, 15 on the stage, 17 on the stage, something like that. And that's between like that's between the riders that can top fifty Roubaix, for example. So he can ride on cobbles. If he can top fifty Roubaix, and you can ride on hills, and you can go top ten Tour of Flanders. That's my new math. What I'd like to see this year is the team starting to leverage these riders and all their talents a bit more in a in a more cohesive way. Like to get the pieces to fit together, I think really yeah. should be a goal this year. And what they've been struggling to do. I think outside of um, mountain stages or hilltop finishes in stage races with the train of Solaire, McNulty, Micah, they've figured that out. They go well with that. In fact, that train dropped the Yumba Visma domestiques pretty consistently last year and dropped even Apollo and Carpeña last year. But in the classics, I think they need to do that as well. Like Pagacha shouldn't be starting Quarmont doing the fastest probably Quarmont ever to drop everybody fully solo. I would really, but, you know, as you said, he or she, Wellens, Sherd Bax, whoever else, yeah. Trenton, wouldn't it be more effective to have them do a lead out on Quamont to actually give Pagatra a launch pad? I think one thing is difficult. I think Pogatra also wants to make sure that he can individualize the opposing teams to one rider per team to make sure he can't be countered afterwards. And if Quickstep's there with two riders, if Laporte and Wout van are both there, if Alpesin's there with van der Poel and some magical person that might show up, I don't know. Like, I think he's trying to avoid that by going hard, go hard, go home, and see if he can drop them. But what if he, for example, has a steam base or just follows on the Autoquadamont and he goes ham on Paterberg? On paper, he's also with four people, right? Or do you, does he expect to make the gap on the Autoquadamont to make sure that he can expand the gap to, with the others towards the Paterberg and that way have a bigger gap so that that group of like secondary riders with domestiques of other teams aren't there so that a Wout might not say, oh, I've got Laporte behind, might as well wait. Oh, I think, I, I just mean like they do a Jumbo Visma style like Calais lead out for him yeah. just to like launch him. They... Uh, I think, yeah, steady pacing to the finish obviously won't work. Also, climb, but yeah, he but he needs more help on those on those races. Do they have the rider like Nathan van Hooydonk to make the move before the climb to get them to the front to beat Nathan van Hooydonk 
to the bottom of that climb. That's where I think the issue is. I mean, lies. Trenton or Wellens got to do it. Like, that's they have to. They got to figure it out. Or maybe yeah. they can't. But that's what I want to see. Um, they need to be sorting that out for Pagacha because, yeah, he – like, maybe with better positioning and a lead-out, maybe he just drops P- Van der Poel on Quarmont last year in Flanders. Uh, he nearly like, did. In current CX form, maybe? I mean, who knows? what? Well, I don't know. I've been watching CX. Say his back hurts <laughs> or something? Yeah, his back hurts again, and wow, it's been dominating everything. Van der Poel doesn't have a chronic back issue, according to Rudolphs. It's just constantly reoccurring over a long period of time. <laughs> so, <laughs> not chronic, though. But it's, it, it's from too much racing. <laughs> so, he'll yeah. just rest for 10 days and then... According to them, it's according to them, it's unrelated to the previous back pain, but it's due to heavy racing, and they're fixing it by continuing <laughs> racing. Yeah, poor MVP's back. Put your sticky tape. Come <laughs> like, on, buddy, gotta get out there. Um, <laughs> I don't know what his schedule will look like early in the year. I hope. Nah, I hope MVP is okay. We need uh, yeah. classics needs MVP um, for sure. As a protagonist, yeah. Um, Yeah. So you think UAE Benji will have a better year than last year? I think they'll have a better year than last year and a better year than Jumbo Visma. Okay. I think, yeah, I think they're going to, I don't know. I think they're going to win a lot. They might win Polonia. They'll win UAE Tour. They'll win Skoda Tour of Luxembourg. They'll win Coppa Agostini. I think they will win a lot. I think they'll win more than Jumbo. I think they'll win over 50 races, comfortably probably, uh, particularly if Milano holds form and you send him to like San Juan or something. He'd probably win three of the, the sprints straight off the bat. Jakobsen is going there. Oh, really? Fuck me. San Juan got a best start list <laughs> of the World Tour races. Um <laughs> But I, I don't think they win a Grand Tour, um, even though I think Ayuso win the Vuelta. Uh, so maybe Ayuso does win the Vuelta. I don't know. I think, I think they missed the Tour de France again. And Pog probably, I don't see how he doesn't win Lombardia again. So they will win a monument. But then the Classics, I think they'll be a bit weaker. Uh, I think Pog is still, I, think, I still think there is a huge burden on him on Pagaccia yeah. as to be the classics leader, the Italian classics leader and the GC Tour de France leader is a huge burden and Hot maybe day. he'll hold it up again. Pagaccia wins three monuments and a Grand Tour this year. Well, so at Liège, is he doing Liège? Liège, Lombardia and RVV. Yeah, I mean, he could for sure. Liège, Liège is tough to be. Isn't Alaphilippe targeting Liège? I mean, Pagacha's just uh, Liège and now. RVV. Yeah. I mean, yeah, probably that'd be like one of the greatest seasons ever. I'd love to see it. It'd be, it'd be great to see how Jumbo Visma counters it because, yeah, he yeah. – on the I want to see on the last Quarmont, Fanart, Van der Poel, Pagacha going head-to-head and who can who can Housler. survive. And Hausler. Hausler's actually already ahead. He's smarter than them. Where's Aramburu? <laughs> Actually, where is Aaron Baru? What's happening with him? <laughs> He's probably sent to the wrong races. <laughs> like, are you concerned or are you blaming Movistar? I completely forgot he existed the last year. 
Oh, so friendship with Hambrew over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, the memes are over. It's not funny anymore. So, <laughs> would you sign Aaron Brew? Will Will UAE sign him in twenty twenty five? I would fits not their sign him. Profile. Why would you sign him when he's basically Kovi? <laughs> because they like signing the same exact rider over and over again. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta say, Cortina, we can get them all at this point. Yeah, Freiler. I think Garcia Cortina is yeah, a little bit different. I th- I think Aaron Brew will go there. Actually, <laughs> now that I think about it, I think they'll sign the twenty five. Yeah. Okay. I think anyway. Freiler could end up there. Yeah. Do you reckon they'll get the Ineos domestic old guys like Castroviejo and Freiler when they're out of contract? I don't know. Kwiatkowski. No, nah, I think. Not. I don't see Kvyatkovsky or Thomas. I don't think any of the old, like, classic yeah, Sky yeah. guys, I don't see them going to UAE. I think they've they've earned a lot of money <laughs> during the last eight years. I don't, <laughs> they're not, I don't think they'll do that. Um, but, yeah, that was the UAE team preview. Let us know what you think. Is it still just a Pog one-man show? Have they successfully diversified away from him with, you know, McNulty coming through, Ayuso, Almeida, Vine? Yates, what do you expect from all those riders? I mean, if you sign enough talent and you put them in the right environment, like a Jay Vine, perhaps great things will happen in the Grand Tour and in general classification. So that's what I can't wait to see. He's, of course, personally, I'm the most excited to see how he goes if he does the Giro. Um, I can't wait to see what he does on a team like UAE. So rooting for him there. But um He's also got to fight against his teammates, <laughs> Almeida and Co. So it'll be interesting to see how that dynamic works. Uh, well, not fight against them, but it could be like the Vuelta sort of strategy, everyone for themselves. So we'll see how that evolves, where the team changes. Thanks as always. Thanks to Zwift, and we'll see you in the next one. Ciao. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 